Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 134, and I'm talking with Christine Burke. Christine is the vice president of Runner Products and Services at the New York Roadrunners. In her role over there, she's responsible for training, membership, and runner services. I learned so much about the New York Roadrunners in this episode. Christine and I talk about her professional career in this episode. She has a background in retail and luxury marketing, and she is also the mother of three, and she lives in New York City with her kids and her husband. She's also an Ironman, and she's completed 25 marathons. She's training for the Berlin Marathon right now. Christine is extremely inspiring and very easy to talk to. I think you guys are going to really enjoy this conversation with her. And maybe you'll learn a thing or two about the New York City Marathon like I did. If you guys are enjoying this podcast, I would love it if you would consider subscribing to the show and leaving a rating and review. Those are some of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And I would really appreciate your support there. You guys can follow the New York Roadrunners on Instagram. A lot of you probably already are. It's just N-Y-R-R. And you can also follow Christine on Instagram. She's Christine R. Burke, B-U-R-K-E. You can also find me on Instagram. I'm Lindsay Hine 626 And on Twitter, I'm Lindsay Hine. We also have a Facebook page. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hine and a group over there. So come join in on the fun with our Facebook group. That's where all the conversation is happening and we've got a really good community building over there and I do have a patreon page where you can support the show and my work behind what I'm doing here if you go to patreon.com slash Lindsay Hine you will also get bonus episodes over there there's probably a log of at least I'd say 25 episodes by now Um, so if you support the show now you can go back and listen to all of those There's new monthly bonus content over there. And by supporting the show in that way, you are also getting behind my efforts to drop more frequent bonus episodes on the regular feed as well. So thank you everybody who is over there supporting there. All right, you guys, let's go ahead and get my conversation started with Christine Burke. All right, well, today on the show, I'm really excited to bring on Christine Burke. She's the vice president of Runner Products and Services at New York Roadrunners. She's the mom and she's a runner. Um, what else would you, what other words would you use to describe yourself, Christine? Oh, gosh, um, I am a wife and a friend and um, a proud um, employee here at New York Roadrunners. Um, but mom and runner are probably two of the top. Um, descriptions of me. And how old are your kids? So I have twin boys who are 11 and I have a girl who is 10. So um, had those children in really quick succession. Yeah, that's really close. How many months apart are they? They're 23 months apart. Okay. When we brought my daughter home from the hospital, we had three children under two years old. It was a little chaotic for a few years. Yes. And I know bringing home a baby with a baby under two is very, I've done it and I'm about to do it again. It's very difficult, but I haven't done it with two babies under two. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's sort of no way to face it except for diving in head first and hoping that everybody adjusts around you. Okay. So my question for twin moms is always, do you think it would have been easier or you would have been less crazy if you did the if the twins came first or second 
I have a really strong opinion about that. I think it's much easier to have the twins first. Um, First of all, because you're pregnant and you're only worrying about yourself and your pregnancy and not taking care of a toddler. And the second is you're pretty um, ignorant as to what is about to come. Um, So it's all new and exciting and you're just looking forward to it. So I'm pretty confident in the opinion that having twins first is an easier way to approach birth order. Okay. And last pregnancy question, I promise. Um, Was your twin pregnancy much more difficult than your single baby pregnancy? So much more difficult. Yeah. I mean, I was really fortunate in that I had a pretty easy pregnancy as far as twins were concerned. And I was able to work um, at my job until the day before I was induced. Um, but I went almost 40 weeks with the twins. They were nearly 15 pounds in combined weight. And so I was enormous and it was <laughs> the middle of a hot summer and um, it was not the easiest thing I've ever done physically, but um, really grateful they were healthy and it's a great, it's a big fear when you're having twins that they're going to be born prematurely and their lungs won't be developed. Um, so we're really fortunate that they were very well baked when they were born. Well, you're making me feel a lot better about my single pregnancy that's happening in August. Like now I'm like, you're being a baby. You don't have 15 pounds of baby in there. Um, but you said that, so you said that it's one of the hardest things you've done physically. You've ran 25 marathons. You've done an Ironman. You've done a lot of things um, athletically, uh, what's one of the most challenging things you've done in that regard? I would say the, the Ironman was the hardest, um, the preparation for an Ironman in terms of the number of hours that you need to put in, um, it gets to be pretty extreme at the peak of the training. So I was training anywhere from 15 to 20 hours a week, um, when I was training for the Ironman and I, I'm a runner. I'm not a swimmer or a cyclist. And so I had to teach myself to swim and I had to learn a lot about cycling and changing a flat tire and uh, cycling workouts. Um, And so marathoning by comparison at that point in time felt like, okay, once I get to the marathon, I know I can finish this. (laughs) Um, I'd say physically most challenging, it was, um, was training for the Ironman, not even so much completing the Ironman, Uh it was really the training that was the more challenging. That makes sense. Yeah. My husband's done one and I witnessed the, the training for that. And it's a, it's another job for sure. Did you do that before or after you had kids? I did it after I had kids. Really? Yeah. So I had all three. Um, my husband, I think I'm still, um, recovering, (laughs) we're still recovering from that time in our lives. But, um, I think that one of the things with training for an Ironman that I, I really appreciated is that once you've had children and gone through pregnancy and childbirth, I truly believe that your pain threshold increases. Mm -hmm. And I think that that really helped both the Ironman training and ever since my marathon and running training has been easier in comparison because I think my pain threshold is higher than it was prior to having children. How old were your kids when you did it? So they were five, 
five and four, I believe, or six, six and five. Okay. Um, the, the Ironman. So I, it took me a long time to finish that day, um, about just over 15 hours. And my twin's birthday was the next day. And to this day, they give me a hard time <laughs> the, their birthday in the car driving home. <laughs> the Ironman. So I'll never forget that it was the day before their birthday. Which one did you do? Which Ironman? I did Lake Placid. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's talk about your career a little bit because you've been with the New York Roadrunners for, what, three years or four years? Uh, three and a half years. Okay. Ooh, I was close. Yeah. Um, but clearly career is important in your life. Um, can you kind of tell everybody what you were doing before you got to New York Roadrunners and kind of what that path looked like? Sure. So my... Career has been primarily in marketing, in the consumer product space, and in retail marketing. Um, so the longest stint in my career, I worked for nearly 10 years for a French beauty brand called L'Occitane. And um, for the first half of my time there, I oversaw the marketing and merchandising for the North American business for L'Occitane. And the second half of my time there, I oversaw the global digital marketing and e-commerce business. Um, and it was a fun time in the world of digital and e-commerce because I was, uh, Facebook was just becoming a thing, YouTube, Instagram, and it was really fun as a marketer to be able to experiment with those platforms and understand how you could connect with a whole new audience. So that was my time at L'Occitane, and then I worked uh, for a Swedish furniture brand for about three years um, with a team that I had worked with previously at L'Occitane, um, so sort of followed the team there. And then because of both of those roles at L'Occitane and Heston's were really international in nature, I was traveling a lot professionally, so... Every other week, I would be on the road for a week at a time, and um, that got harder and harder as my children got older. And so I took a step back about four years ago and said, this is not sustainable for our family, and I really want to continue to do something professionally that is interesting and challenging to me, um, but I really would like it to be something that's in, based in New York City. Um, and so... I reached out to New York Roadrunners and to Mary Wittenberg and um, had a number of conversations with the team here about how I could support and what sort of needs they had. And we worked out um, a role that was interesting and challenging to me. And um, I joined the team in January of 2015 and have been here ever since and am thrilled to be here. Wow. So there wasn't like a job opening. You reached out and you were like, hey, I want to work for you guys. What can we do here? This is what I can offer. Yeah. Um, it, it That's really how it happened. That's um, so cool and inspiring. It is. Um, I feel really fortunate that the timing was right and that there were needs on the New York Roadrunner side and that I had some skills to offer. Um, and it's sort of a been a, a dream um, career pivot that I'm so grateful for. So what planted the seed though? Because I mean, had you been following the New York Roadrunners and were you like, I see some places where I can be a really good fit and I can fill some needs that 
might not be being met? I wouldn't say that my knowledge of the inner workings of the organization were, was, um, I, I didn't have enough insight inside of the organization to be able to make that sort of determination. Uh, but I had been a member at New York Roadrunners for a really long time. I'd been running races with the organization uh, for a very long time. My parents were both runners with New York Roadrunners um, dating back into the 1970s. So um, it was an organization that I admired and respected from afar and was always like sort of lingering in the back of my head as an organization that would be really interesting to work for. Well, and you brought it up. So I read that you're, you finished your first marathon with both of your parents. I did. That's yeah. so cool. It was really special. So um, both of my parents were runners and are runners. And um, I grew up coming and watching them run the New York City Marathon on First Avenue back in the days when Greta Weitz was winning um, and Alberto Salazar and um and always thought it would be something really great to do together with them. Um, and my sophomore year of college decided that I would train for one and that we would do it together. And so um, I remember distinctly being in Fort Wadsworth the morning of the marathon and taking a picture with them under the Verrazano Bridge and um, having such an amazing experience of running the all 26 miles with them. I think we lost my dad at one point at a water <laughs> stop, but, um, but yeah, we, we ran the whole thing together. Okay. I have a new goal to run a marathon with my husband, with one of my kids for, for one of their first marathons. Now I, you just made me make myself that goal. All right. I, I think it's an amazing goal. It's such a wonderful shared experience. Um, I can think of no better way to, spend time with your parents or with your children and hope someday that my children will be inspired to run a marathon with my husband and me. Well, I guess that's just it. I can't force my kids to want to run, but hopefully of four children, one of my kids will want, right. will, will be into it, right? I think the odds are pretty good. Yeah. If they grow up watching mom and dad do it. So what was your dream as a little kid like career wise? What did you want to do with your life? Oh gosh, when I was when I was little, uh, I was completely inspired by the uh, women tennis players, um, which who were really the only sort of professional athletes that, at in the nineteen early nineteen eighties, you could look up to as a female. So Chris Everett and Martina Navratilova and Gabriella Sabatini and uh, and so I thought being a professional tennis player would just be the greatest thing in the world. Um, so yeah, that's what I, that's what I sort of dreamed of when I was much younger. Um, and then through high school and college, I really had no idea. Um, I was a political science major in college and um, loved economics and math and, but at the same time, things that were creative, art, art history. Um, and so marketing was sort of the perfect blend of the right brain, left brain. Um, which is how I ended up in it. Yeah. So did you run and play softball in college? So I went to a division three school that enabled me to play multiple sports. And so I went to college to play both basketball and softball. Um, and 
arrived at school, started playing basketball and realized about halfway through the season that it just was not how I wanted to spend the full winter in Western Massachusetts. Um, and so ended up not continuing playing varsity basketball. I did continue JV basketball, which was a lot more casual, um, but played softball all four years. And in the spring of my freshman year, started running more seriously to stay in shape and reached out to the cross country team and said, you know, I'm training for the New York city marathon. Could I come and do some workouts with you guys? And I did and ended up joining the team uh, as a walk on officially and was uh, improved greatly over the four years um, that I ran, or I guess the three years that I ran with the team because of, um, you know, I'd never done speed workouts before. I'd never had any sort of structured program. Um, but cross country for me was really a way to train for the marathons that I did while I was in college. This is like your life motto. You just email or walk in or say, (laughs) Hey, I want to join. Where can I fit in? Oh, if you don't ask the answer will always be no. Right. This is so, so, so true. So you live in New York City with three kids. You're a full-time working mom. Uh, Tell me what that looks like because um, I live in a very small, big city. I live in Indianapolis, and I just – I can't visualize how my life would look if I lived in the hustle and bustle of New York City working full-time with three kids. What does that look like? I think that New York City is one of the best places in the world to raise children. There is – the access to activities and people and museums and playgrounds is so amazing. Um, When the three children were born, we lived in Brooklyn Heights, which is a small community just over the Brooklyn Bridge from Lower Manhattan. And we had probably five playgrounds within a 10-minute walking distance from our apartment. Um, So it was wonderful when they were younger and lots of libraries and free activities for, for them. Um, and now as they've gotten older, it, in some ways it's pretty easy for us as a family as well. We're never in a car except on weekends when we have to take them to sporting events outside of the city. Practices are fairly convenient to our home where the teams coordinate buses to get to the different um, practices So everything in our life is very centrally located. The children's schools are within a few blocks of our apartment. So it's easy. And then I don't have a long commute to come here into the office at New York Roadrunners. So my commute is a half an hour by bus or 15 minutes if I ride my bike. And um, it's easy to get back and forth for doctor's appointments or for parent-teacher conferences. Um, so in in some ways, it's a really easy life. You know, if, if there's no food in the refrigerator, you can call for takeout from one of 200 places, <laughs> which we'd probably do too often. But um, the conveniences of, of New York are pretty, pretty awesome. I always say I could live in a very small space in a big city like that but it, the winters scare me because with my kids, I'm like, we got to get everybody out of this this house or whatever, you know, like I need everybody in the big backyard playing. Um, so winters are what scare me the most about living in that 
situation. Do you have a yard or anything like that? What what does wintertime look like? No, we don't have a yard, but we're pretty close to Central Park. And so the kids can go into Central Park. Uh, and when it snows, the sledding in Central Park is one of the more fun and dangerous <laughs> you've ever seen. Uh, there, it's organized chaos with an ambulance waiting at the bottom of the hill. Um, so it's, um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy. We, we don't have to shovel. We're not plowing. Um, the stores or the doorman or the city takes care of all of that. So um, it, I would say all seasons in New York are pretty terrific. Well, man, you're like recruiting people to move, to move there. Yeah. I, I, my husband and I talked actually just recently about, are there any other cities where we would want to live? Um, and it sort of all came back to New York. Yeah. There's something when you're describing your kids sledding in Central Park and growing up, like that. I'm just thinking there's something kind of magical about that. I bet there really is. Um, the, the backdrop to their lives is pretty spectacular. So life can get overwhelming when you have, you know, three kids and you're working full time and, and you've got a lot going on. You're probably training for stuff sometimes. So what are some things that you do in your life to, unwind and calm down and take a step back sometimes? Running is the primary thing that clears my mind. Um, and it's really my social time as well. So it's rare that I have a morning that I'm not running with friends in Central Park. Uh, there's almost always someone to meet and run with. And so that's really the biggest me time. And then if I'm really, really lucky and I have some extra time before I go to bed, I don't have work to do or kids' homework to support, uh, I'll do a New York Times crossword puzzle. It's one of my favorite sort of mind-clearing but mind-expanding activities. What do you love most about this season of life? And You're in your 40s, right? I am. What's your favorite thing about this decade? Um, I think the the... Our kids are in a really sweet spot right now. They still love their parents and mm -hmm. like to hang out with us and by, by choice. But at the same time, they're really pretty independent. They can get dressed on their own and shower on their own. And we've just crossed the threshold to the point where they can walk the dog in the city by themselves or run over to the grocery store and pick something up if we need it. So we're, I think, really in a sweet spot where um, life is pretty fun. Do your kids walk to school on their own too then? So the, the boys, the twins, are old enough to walk on their own, and um, they love that. It's only a block away. <laughs> But the independence that they get from doing that is pretty awesome. Um, my daughter is probably a year away from doing it. What about the what about the public transportation? When when can they start doing that? I would say we're probably a year or two away from the twins going on public transportation by themselves. Um, I would feel pretty comfortable with them on a bus right now above ground, maybe a little bit less comfortable with them on the subway underground. Um, but we're, 
we're a year or two away from that. But thankfully, most of their lives are in a five to 10 block radius that's all walkable. Hey guys, real quick, I want to jump in and thank Casper Mattress for supporting this podcast episode. Casper is a sleep brand that makes expertly designed products to help you get your best rest one night at a time. Designed by humans for humans, Casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves, providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies. You spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. The experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep service that cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. They have affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to you. Their products are all designed, developed, and assembled in the U.S. With over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google, Casper is becoming the internet's favorite mattress. And you can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. So you guys can get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash haveanother and using the code haveanother at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. So again, you can get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash haveanother and using the promo code haveanother at checkout. Thank you, Casper, for supporting this episode of the podcast. And thank you, listeners, for supporting our sponsors. All right, guys, let's continue my conversation with Christine Burke. Okay, so let's talk about New York Roadrunners and what you're doing for them and and all of that. So first, I want you to convince me to come run the New York City Marathon. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, have you ever been here to watch the New York City Marathon? No. And so I've ran 14 marathons and I've done Boston a couple of times. I've done Chicago. So I've done some big ones. Yeah. It, and logistically, I'm always just like, I just want to run monumental because it's here in Indianapolis and it's local and it's easy. And, you know, but I, I, I know that everybody who's ran New York is like, you got to come. Yeah, it is a four hour street party. Um, with people just spilling out of their homes and apartments and hanging out on um, fire escapes and yelling and cheering the entire route of the marathon. Um, Even some of the areas of the course that 10 or 15 years ago were more quiet are now fully populated and there really is no quiet spot on on the course. And so um, I think that the New York flavor that you get from running the marathon through all of these different neighborhoods in New York that are, uh, each one is so different. And you, you sense that when you're running through those neighborhoods, I think is the most exciting and inspiring thing about the race. The other thing that is really amazing is the number of international runners that we have here in New York who are, representing their country, wearing gear with, you know, flags painted on their faces and speaking different languages and maybe in New York for the very first time and feeling like you're a part of a global event is really special. Tell me me what that was like last year for you guys behind the scenes when Shalane won. Oh my gosh, it was an amazing day. Everything in the race last year was 
pretty perfect. Um, and so in my job, I am at the finish line, but in a tent at the finish line, um, where we have sort of a communication center coordinating all of the different teams and city agencies. And, uh, but we have the broadcast up on the screen and it is a, a 10 second delay from what is actually happening out on the finish line, but you can hear the finish line and the roar that you could hear as Shalene was running up central park up the West drive toward the finish line was a roar that I will never forget. Um, so it was incredibly special and she has been such a gracious champion and supportive of New York Roadrunners and our youth programs and um, really feels like she will forever be a part of the New York Roadrunner family. Yeah. So speaking of that and, and the relationship you guys have with Shalane, what are what are some of the other cool experiences with elite athletes that you've had along the way in your three and a half years that you've been there? Yeah, one of the amazing things about this sport is how accessible these professional athletes are. And one of my areas of responsibility in, uh, in New York is overseeing what is called the NYR Run Center which is a physical space that's about 7,000 square feet on 57th Street between 8th and 9th Avenues here in the city. And we and my team put together programming for that space. So educational panels, core strategies, and um, professional athletes will come into town and will join us at the Run Center for talks, for interviews, for book signings. And so I've had the opportunity, particularly since we opened the Run Center about a year and a half ago, to meet so many incredible individuals um, in our sport. So one of our favorites is Meb Kafleski. He is as generous and as genuine and authentic as a human being can be. Um, he is one of our team for kids ambassadors. So team for kids is one of our, is our, our charity program here that raises money to support youth and community programs, um, around running. And he is a really incredible spokesperson for the program. Um, and so he'll come out and run with the kids and um, interview and high five and be at finish lines. So um, he's been amazing. And Jenny Simpson is also one of our team for kids ambassadors. So she's in town um, every couple of months doing team for kids programming and events. And likewise, he she's just um, an incredible human being, um, you know, as good a human being as she is an athlete. You know, I had the opportunity to host a panel that Meb was on when he was in town for the, um, 500 festival mini marathon. And I'm not really like a starstruck kind of person. I'm just kind of like, you know, you're a person, you're, yeah, I'm a person, you know? Um, but I kind of felt like, oh my man, this is Meb. Like, this is like, he is like the pinnacle of our sport and everything that he does and, and, and everything about him. But there's just something about his demeanor and his nature that 
that just goes away the second like he's in the room with you and he's so kind and everything you're saying I'm like yes and I think that everybody even people that haven't met him can see that yeah you can you can feel it through video or through uh, podcasts that he does he is um, he is a very real person and at the same time an amazing athlete so I bet you guys are having a lot of announcements on people who have decided to run. I know I'm actually talking with Allie Kiefer uh, right after you and I get off the phone, and she's one of them. So is uh, that is that exciting? Oh, it's so exciting to have Allie back um, this year. So she finished fifth last year and had an incredible breakthrough race. The the PR that she said, I think was 17 minutes faster than her previous PR and to do it on the world stage and with such power and strength at the end of the race was so fun and exciting to watch. So we're thrilled to have her back in 2018 and can't see, can't wait to see what she's able to do this year. Yeah. I'm really excited that she's healthy, injury free and able to put in a good training cycle for this because I know she was um wasn't able to run London which she had planned to do in the spring yeah we we had had her lined up as well to come to the United Airlines NYC half and run in that race back in March and it was just before that race that she announced that she had the stress fracture in her metatarsal and wouldn't be able to to join us so uh but she still came to town and she gave an incredible run talk at the run center uh, and was so giving with her time. It was to this day, one of our most well attended uh, talks. We had an incredible number of people RSVP and a long wait list and we were filled to capacity. So something about her has really resonated with the running community and people are so excited to see her be successful. You know, now that you mention it, I do remember talking to her and she's saying it was I, I interviewed her while she was in Kenya training and mm-hmm. she was coming back to run your race. Yeah. And then it was announced. I do remember that. Yeah, there is something. Um, it's just I think it's that she's very relatable in the sense that, I mean, she puts the vulnerable stuff out there for people to read and um, and see and. I just think that people really appreciate the accessibility of her as well. She really is. And you get that sense from her when she's here in, in New York for our races, she's um, really present and excited to, to participate in anything that we have going on. Okay. So I've been interviewing some elite runners who haven't announced their uh, (laughs) fall marathons yet, but do you have anybody else coming that that's announced already that you can talk about? Um, I'm trying to think Des Linden, um, is announced. So she is joining us. So we're excited to have the winner of the Boston marathon here. Um, and I think that that is the, those are the ones that are announced at this point. There'll be a larger announcement at the end of August with the larger field. Um, and there's some really exciting runners as you'd expect. And it's going to be a pretty incredible, incredible race again this year. Okay, so tell me about your charity programs that you guys have through the New York Roadrunners and some of the, I mean, you, how much money is raised just from the race alone for different charities? Yeah, it's about $36 million wow. is raised on an annual basis through the marathon. And 
Uh, we have 360 plus charities who um, come and participate in the race, just under 10,000 charity runners run with us. So it's a fairly sizable percentage of the field. Uh, people are running for official charity partners. And we love that the not only is it a platform in which money can be raised for causes to do good, but the stories that our runners tell us of why they're running for particular charities are so incredibly moving. So one of the taglines for the marathon uh, campaign over the last two years has been moved me. And we talk to runners about why the marathon moves them uh, and what inspires them to run. And so many of the most inspiring stories come from our charity runners. Um, and so we're excited to have these charity partners and charity runners back again this year. Do you, not to put you on the spot, but do you have a, a particular story of um, a runner, you know, from the front of the pack to the back of the pack that has inspired you in the, in the years that you've been here? Gosh, there there are so many. Um, one that's memorable from last year is from the V Foundation, which is the Jimmy Valvano Foundation to raise money for cancer research. And um, the runner's name was Jack Daly, and he ran the race last year to raise money and awareness for cancer research because his wife was in the process of dying from cancer and. Last fall, as she, as he was training, her condition was worsening, and there was a decision point the week leading up to the marathon of whether or not he would actually come to the race and run, um, because he lives in California, and it's a long trip, and he did not want to not be by her side during the last hours and days of her life, and he... Um, she encouraged him to come um, and said, you have my blessing. I want you to be there. You've trained so hard for this. And he came and ran and um, inspired this full team of, of V Foundation runners um, and then flew back to California. And she passed away just a few days after the marathon. Um, so he's going to be back with us again this year running the marathon in her honor um, and so that was one of the stories from last year's race that has really stuck with me, man. I'm so glad that he made it back. I know, you know. I know, but you know, he was at peace if he didn't make yeah. it back. And so that is a great gift that she gave to him, um, to be here and to, to do that. And he was the largest fundraiser for wow. the wow. foundation last year and maybe ever in their, their history. Do you know how much money he raised? Oh, it is. It was pretty deep into the six figures. So oh, wow! It, I don't want to misquote it, but I think it was about two hundred and fifty million, uh, two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Okay, and so what was the organization that he was raising it for again? Yeah, it's the V Foundation. So it's the Jimmy Valvano Foundation. Um, Jimmy V was the basketball coach at NC State in North Carolina who um, died of cancer and gave a really famous speech at the ESPY Awards that you can Google and, and see um, about living every day. Um, and he, so the V Foundation was founded in his memory to, to fund cancer research. Um, 
And so Jack ran for the V Foundation. All right, I'll link to that video in the show notes. We can get some inspiration from that. So, so tell us about the programming and what you guys do with your training program and, and everything with the New York Roadrunners. Yeah, so we have um, a, a really robust training uh, program here in New York Roadrunners that helps to support runners who are training both here in New York City but also remotely. So um, in New York, we have what we call the NYRR group training um, and we offer running classes um, in all five boroughs of New York in the mornings and in the evenings. And we will train 5,000 runners this year um, through our group training programs. And you can join us and do interval workouts. Some of the nights are dedicated to tempo workouts. And we have an incredible staff of coaches who are so knowledgeable about running and running form and training for major races or at the same time for those runners who are just getting started. Um, so there's a running class here in New York for, for everyone from those who are just taking their first steps to those who are training really competitively. Um, so that's our group training. And then we have virtual training programs that enable people to train for half marathons and marathons around the world. Um, and it can be the New York City Marathon or the United Airlines NYC half. Um, and the training programs are built specific to those courses. So uh, the virtual trainer program is a um, customizable training program that is algorithmic based and adaptable. So if you sign up for the TCS New York City Marathon 16 week training program, which just started last week, you answer a series of 40 questions about your running history, about your goals, about how running fits into your life, what days a week you like to run. And the program will provide you with a customized training program. And throughout the course of the 16 weeks, you provide feedback to the program and the training program will adapt to your progress. So if you're getting faster over time, your interval recommended interval times will decrease. Likewise, if you get injured or you're going on vacation, the, the program adapts to your um to your life and to your training. So it's a, it's a great program um, from a nuts and bolts standpoint, but also we have an incredible community of people who have used the virtual trainer who collaborate and share online. And they've created this community of support where uh, runners can feel comfortable asking questions that are New York specific or about other races or about recommended running shoes. And um, there have been over 10,000 people who have used the virtual trainer since it was launched about seven years ago here at New York Road Runners. So, and you don't have to be used to be running the TCS New York City Marathon or one of our races in order to use it. You can be training for Chicago or for 
Berlin or Boston, and you can use it for those races as well. So you can use it even if it's not the same season of training for New York? It is, yep. Yep. It, you plug in the date of your race, and it will back up the program to um, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, or 20 weeks out from your race date. Okay, so let me just make sure I'm getting this right. And then tell me about the customizable feature. Like, so say you're, what if you're like, oh, I want to BQ or I want to break four hours in the marathon. What does that look like? Yeah, so you don't put in exactly what your your goal time is. You provide the system history of what race times you've already run. Okay will provide you with a range that you should be targeting for your finish time. So if you've run a five hour marathon, you can't force it to recommend a program that will have you run a three thirty marathon. <laughs> sure. But, but it will, if your progress is really strong throughout the course of that training cycle, it will adjust and recommend a, race pace and a finish time that is aligned with the training that you've done. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, awesome. What, anything else you guys have going on that you want to share with the listeners about the programs or the race this year or any events happening or anything like that? Yeah. So at, um, the run center that I referred to earlier with the programming, we have an incredible lineup of programming on a on a daily basis, but um, it's all free. So from panels to book clubs to yoga classes. Um, so if you're here in New York, you can participate in it. For the panels and the book talks and the um, Q and A's, we've started to broadcast them on Facebook Live. So they're recorded. So even if you're not in New York, you can watch them. Um, so. I think that is a, a great resource for people who are loving running and interested in learning more. Um, and then the other thing that we launched at the beginning of 2018 that we're really excited about uh, is virtual racing. So we launched this in partnership with Strava. And if you're not based in New York or our race is sold out or your, our race time is inconvenient for you, We've created a calendar of nine races throughout the year that you can run with us and record your time on Strava and your time then gets posted to the Strava leaderboard and you can compete with people from all over the world. So we have a race coming up in the beginning of September that we're going to launch in the next week or so. Um, and it will be a window of nine days in which you can complete the distance. And um, we're really excited about getting more people from outside New York inspired to, to run with us. That's awesome. So they run, they run with you virtually through the Strava partnership. Exactly. That's so cool. Strava's doing some really cool things right now. They really are. They've been a terrific partner and we're excited about iterating on this product uh, in the coming year. Well, I'm going to be like you and tell you right now, one of my dreams is to 
come to a race like New York and do host like a live podcast with runners. So I'm just going to plant that seed in your ear. I I think we can probably make that happen. (laughs) Run Center is a great place for that sort of programming. So you've inspired me to just put it out there. Right. Let's talk offline and see how we can make that happen. For sure. Um, Okay. Well, Christine, I always end the podcast with some fun questions to uh, finish it off. So I want to ask you, what's one thing professionally or personally that you'd like to do in your life that you haven't done yet? So I would say one of the things that's I'm so fortunate to be able to blend my personal and professional life in as it relates to running. But um, so I would love to do the Abbott World Marathon majors um, and be a six star finisher in the six races um, for the the World Marathon majors. So many have you done? I have done three. So I've done all the US based races, the Boston, the New York and the Chicago. I am running Berlin in September, so that will be my fourth, and then I'll have Tokyo and London to complete. So um, you're getting I would there. Love, yeah, I'm getting there, and I would love to do that both personally to have that sense of accomplishment that this being a six-star finisher provides, but also professionally. I think seeing how different marathons around the world are organized is is so fascinating to me professionally. Yeah. So is that, is, what's that like being someone from, um, the behind the scenes of the New York city marathon going to one of these other major marathons, which I mean, if you're running a fall marathon, you're like running a technically like what you would call a competitor race of New York city or whatever. What's that like? It's hard to put your head down and not pay attention to every detail um, and just run. So it's almost like you want to carry a notebook with you and take notes of really cool things that you see that other marathons are doing, whether it's marketing activations or programming or uh, communication or uh, at the expo. So um, it's hard to take off the hat and just be a runner. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's really fun to see how other races do it well and to borrow those ideas and bring them back to New York. Are you, when you train for a marathon now, are you still training for fast times or when did you run your fastest time? What's your marathon PR? Tell us your deal with that. Yeah. So I ran my marathon PR in 2014 in Philadelphia. Oh, recently. Uh, Yeah. So recently. So I ran a 327, um, and so it was post-children and back to the point I made earlier about um, increased pain threshold <laughs> um, and smarter, more efficient training. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm racing better and smarter and running, running better than I did when I was in my late teens and early 20s for sure. Do you have goals to break that 327? I'm not sure that I want to put that out publicly. <laughs> I would love to. I'm training to try to do that. Um, to try, I'm trying to stay healthy and push the limits of the amount of time that I have to train and what I can do physically. So I think I'm in good shape right now. Berlin is about eight weeks out, and I'd say I'm in the neighborhood of being able to break that. So much is going to be dependent on 
how the weather is that day and how um, the next few weeks go. But I think I'm, I'm making myself competitive to be able to do it. Oh, okay. So wait, you're doing Berlin in September. Okay. I've, I don't think I realized Berlin was so soon. Yeah, it's a few weeks earlier than it usually is. Okay. Uh, but it, this year it's September 16th. So that's kind of nice for you to do that two months prior or at least six weeks prior to New York city. That way you can like get that done and then be head down focused on everything you guys okay. are doing. Yeah. It, by the time we get to mid September, it is sort of a blackout for any other sort of ex, um, extracurricular activities. <laughs> the, the weeks leading up to the marathon are pretty intense, um, which sort of takes off the table any um, races after the New York City Marathon. Um, so Philadelphia, which is two or three weeks after New York, is sort of out of the question as well. Yeah, you can't be in the peak of training when you're when you're getting ready to do your marathon to put exactly. it on. Exactly. And and my husband runs the TCS New York City Marathon every year. Um and we laugh at home about how the actually working at the marathon is more exhausting than running the marathon. Oh, sure. I bet. So. Who's faster, you or your husband? It's such a good question. <laughs> we are highly competitive people who have um, toggled back and forth between PRs at different distances. So I currently hold the family marathon PR. Um, his is three minutes behind mine. Um, but he's aiming for me every marathon he trains for. He's, so He's going for it this year? He is going for it this year. Um Hopefully he'll be healthy enough to do it. He battles old soccer injuries. Mm. So he has a, a hamstring issue he's dealing with right now. So he spends a lot of time foam rolling. Oh, <laughs> um, I bet. So, um, yeah, so he's running again this year. And I'd love to see him break the family PR. Um, but I'm secretly hoping I can ex extend the gap a little bit in Berlin. Yeah, man. There was a time when I used to beat my husband, like our first marathon, I beat him by 10 minutes in the same race, which was like, uh, it was kind of sad. Cause I, at mile 17, I was like, I gotta go, man. Like I feel good. I'm trying to qualify for Boston here. Um, but since then he's taken his marathon time down to two forty nine, And I'm like, what? I can't compete with that right now. Ah. Ever. Maybe probably. <laughs> No, that that's a tough one to beat. I know. Yeah. I, something he got a flip switched and figured it out, or I don't know if he's got just like this crazy intense um, pain threshold that I'm not willing to go to. But yeah, our competition days on that are are no more. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I don't think so. Two forty nine. I don't think so. So what uh, what about professionally? Did we answer that part? I think there there's so much opportunity at New York Road Runners to extend our our products and the opportunities that we provide people to be inspired to run. Um, and so the more people that we can touch um, with, with our programs and with our initiatives, um, the better. And that's one of the things that's so excited, exciting for us about these virtual products that we have both the virtual trainer and now the virtual racing is that there's an opportunity for us to 
to reach more people through these products. And so I think a goal professionally is to, to impact positively as many people through running as possible. How many people on staff do you guys have? We have about just under 200 full-time people. Oh my gosh. Are you serious? Yeah, we, it's a pretty large organization. So we have 50 adult races per year that we organize. Um, in fact, we have one tonight in Central Park. It's a 5K. And um, in addition to that, we have a really robust youth and community program called Rising New York Roadrunners that helps support um, running programs in primarily public schools in New York City. And then the program is um, extendable throughout the country. So there is a really uh, smart and motivated team here at New York Roadrunners that helps support those, those youth and community programs. That's really cool. The Monumental Marathon here, they've implemented something like that with the with the public schools here. And I should know more about it, but I don't. I know that they're, well, I know that IPS, Indianapolis Public Schools, is like their main partner. Um, right. But yeah, that's so cool. What is the, do you have to be 18 to run the marathon? You do. Okay. Yes. I, you blew my mind. I had no idea you had that many people that worked for the organization. We do. We do. And it's, um, it is one of the most inspiring and motivated groups of people that you could possibly work with. Is everybody local that works for you guys? Almost everyone. We have a few people who are remote, but almost everyone is local here in New York. That's awesome. Okay. If you had one message to send to the world, what would it be? I would encourage everyone to volunteer at the finish line of a marathon Mm. at one point in their life. So there is no more pure um, emotional triumph of the human spirit moment than the finish line of a marathon. And that is what I would encourage everyone to do. What about the finish line of an Ironman though? I think that um, the finish line of an Ironman, particularly leaning up to midnight, is, <laughs> is, is pretty special as well. There's there's no doubt. But I think they're pretty you know equivalent in some way. If you can't volunteer at a marathon, volunteer at um, at an Ironman or or any other race. Seeing people who are accomplishing something, many of them for the first time, and many of them who thought they would never be able to do what they just did, is a moment of inspiration that carries us through to the next year. Uh, speaking of that volunteer logistics is, is the finish line one of the most highly sought after volunteer spots of your race? It is. Yeah. yeah. Do people is. have to apply? Yeah, they, they have to apply and there's a process where they, uh, often need to have been a volunteer in previous years. So, uh, but it is, Yes, it is a highly sought after position in the marathon to distribute medals right after the finish line to to those finishers. That's pretty cool because, you know, I feel like sometimes it's hard to recruit volunteers for certain events and things like that. But the fact that the end of the marathon is that emotional and that exciting and and rewarding to be a part of that you have to put in all this time and effort to to actually get that spot. That's pretty cool. 
It is. It is. And even the water stations um, on the course of the marathon are highly sought after as well. Uh, So we have big groups who year after year come back and, for lack of a better description, own that water station. So Mm -hmm. they get the volunteers and it's something that they look forward to all year round and they all know each other and they sing and they dance and they cheer. And there's an incredible sense of community at every water station along the course of the marathon as well. Okay. So now, now you're working on convincing me even more because all that is making me excited. Um, the only thing about New York, I will say is that I, I would want to run just for fun. I don't think I would want to race for a PR because I think that I'd want to soak all that in and the logistics of getting out there and all that, like, um, out to the start line and all that. I think I would just want to be like, I'm just running 26 miles for the party and the fun. Yeah, it is. It's quite an experience. So, you know, people do PR on the course. Yeah. Um, but I think that having it as a, a lifetime experience is almost more important. Totally. Um, what is if? You, oh, if you could have coffee or cocktail with someone fun, inspiring, motivating that you haven't already with, who would it be? Um, so this is so my answer to this would not be in the running realm, um, and I would also preface it by saying I drink neither coffee nor cocktails. But <laughs> I drink a lot of Coke. I have one here open on my desk, um, so it's one of my great vices. So I would love to share a Coke um, with Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, so you may never have heard that answer before, but uh, I grew up in New Jersey along the shore, about 10 miles from where he grew up in Freehold, New Jersey, and um, I am just an enormous Bruce Springsteen fan, so I put out to the universe whenever possible my desire to uh, meet Bruce Springsteen, Um, and so that would be sort of, life would be complete if I had that opportunity. See, you just got to put it out there. You know, I was listening to someone talk about this and that what they do with things like that is she, I was listening to another podcast, she writes it down. So like every day she writes, she would write down, I will have a Coke with Bruce Springsteen and like (laughs) until it manifests itself to actually happening. So for the next three years or however long, just write, I will have a Coke with Bruce Springsteen. Until it happens. Okay, so then I have to ask you this because um, my husband is trying to be a bigger Bruce Springsteen fan, um, <laughs> which is really random. But he's he's a big Pearl Jam fan. He likes like rock music, and um, but he's never really been a big Bruce Springsteen fan. And he knows that um, he knows that that there's a reason for this following. And my friend Ashley uh, Fizzerati, who I had mentioned earlier, she um, the one that's running Chicago this year. She is from New Jersey and is like, she sounds like similar to you and her obsession with Bruce Springsteen. So here's my question. It might be kind of hard to answer or maybe it'll be easy, but tell me your favorite three albums if you had to pick. Yeah. So, um, I really love his early work. So Born to Run is probably my favorite and that's sort of the most obvious and maybe there's a running connection there. Um, but so Born to Run, um, Greetings from Asbury Park, which was his first album. Um, there is an innocence to that album that is so um, beautiful. So that would be my second. And then my third favorite would be The Rising, 
which he wrote and produced after September 11th. Mm. And I think that the um, power of him being able to capture a moment in time in American history is so resonant on that particular album that those, those would be my top three. How many concerts have you been to? Oh, I, I have lost track. I couldn't tell you, but it's not because the the number has been so high. Um, I will go anytime he's in, in New York. Um, I would love to travel around the world and, and see one of his concerts. But um, I would say the number is probably under 30, uh, which is minimal compared to uh, other big Bruce friends. Uh, he is on Broadway right now, so he's doing a nightly show on Broadway called Springsteen on Broadway, and I've been to that twice, and <laughs> I would love to go again before the run ends. Okay, so yeah, you sound like you're, you are to Bruce Springsteen what my husband is to Pearl Jam, because I have a, I've, I've probably been to seven or eight Pearl Jam concerts because yeah. I've been drugged to them, and... Every time he they come like anywhere remotely close, it's like he just it's just a, a given. You just go like there's no right. way I'm not going. Right. Yeah, I think your your husband could really get into Bruce. There, there's a lot of similarities with Eddie Vedder and Bruce Springsteen, um, and they really like and respect each other and have done some work together. Um, so maybe that's the entree point for your husband to get into Bruce a little bit more. Yeah. I've been noticing Bruce on our plane on our Alexa recently and I'm like, okay, I know you're trying, you're really trying here. (laughs) And not to mention, it's crazy how much Bruce, I mean, how old is he? Is he like 70? He's almost 70. Yeah. I mean like, and he's, and that's the other uh, Pearl Jam uh, similarity is the long concert thing. Right. Like those concerts are really long. They're over four hours and they don't, he doesn't stop from song to song. There's no break. There's no downtime. There's no intermission. The energy is just exhausting. And to do that at the age of almost 70 is beyond respectable. All right. I'm going to, so second goal, finish a marathon with one of my kids for their first one and go to a Bruce Springsteen concert. Those are the two goals that you've given me in this podcast. Do it. Um, okay. Last question. What's the best, most recent book you've read? So I have a bad habit of reading multiple books at the same time. Oh, I'm the same way. Um, so I, the, the two, um, so I, I just finished, um, Dina Castor's let your mind run. Mm-hmm. Um, she was at the run center doing a book signing a few months ago and gave incredible talk about the book. Um, it was so sweet. Her parents were both there and, um, she cried multiple times throughout oh. the course of the talk. And her mom sat in the front row with the tissue crying pretty much the entire time. And they're so, they're so, um, uh, forward about the, the fact that they are criers. Mm. It's so endearing. Um, and the love between them is so powerful and, and inspiring. So, um, so I just finished that and I felt like every word and every page that she wrote was so thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Um, she really poured her heart out into that book. So love that. Yeah. And hearing her talk about it too, like the, it's like she dedicated her life to it as much as she was dedicating her life to 
competing when she was competing. Exactly. Did you have, what, what was the other book you were reading? Oh, I'm reading, so totally not running related, but a book called Brian, um, Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. Oh, I've heard of that book. Is it so good? It is so good. It is. Um, so Brian Stevenson is uh, created a, um, a firm. He's an attorney who opened an office in Montgomery, Alabama to defend um, those people on death row who need defending. Um, and it's about this sort of broken criminal justice system, particularly in the south of the United States. Um and what needs fixing pretty desperately. So that is um, one of the books that has that I've also just finished um, that has really stayed with me. Yeah, I've had a lot of uh, I have a lot of friends and people in my life that have talked about that book. And he's been on Oprah Super Soul. If I'm not, uh, I might I don't I think I'm right about that. So um, it's probably a really good episode. If you don't listen, to, if you listen to Oprah Super Soul, you should check it out. I will. I have not listened to it, but it wouldn't surprise me that she would have had him on. I always joke that I promote Oprah Super Soul on my podcast like more than any other show. And I'm like, Oprah really needs my promotion, right? Right. <laughs> she really needs this advertisement from me. No, I'm not familiar with that, though. So oh, it's so good. Now listener. you're going to get hooked. Right. All right, Christine. Well, I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story and sharing about New York Roadrunners. I've learned a lot in this episode, and I know that my listeners will have learned a lot as well. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. And we look forward to hopefully someday having you here in New York to run the marathon with us. Oh, totally. Okay. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Thanks. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for listening today. Thanks, Christine, for coming on the show and sharing your story with us. And make sure you join our Facebook group. I'll have another podcast with Lindsay Hyde where all the fun conversations are going down over there. Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in this week and continuing to support the show. I appreciate each and every one of you guys who listen to this podcast. You guys are the best. You guys have a great Friday. Have a wonderful weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.